All right, welcome back. This is In the Margins. Uh, this is Josh Lund, and uh, we have back with us a couple special guests, Mark and Nadine Templer. How you guys doing? Awesome Great. to be with you again, Josh. Yes. Uh, well, uh, if you've been keeping up with us, you know, a, a few weeks ago, we had uh, them on to talk about Jesus and healing the leper and them sharing their uh, personal um, stories, uh, working with leper colonies and and really just bringing to life what this would have looked like uh, back then and, and even today and how we can really love like Jesus. And so that was great. Uh, we're happy to have them back on. Uh, they bring a lot of insight. Um, so without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into the scripture for this week and uh, go ahead and look in the margins. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 with them today. Uh, Matt is away at a uh, ministry trip, but he will be back with us uh, next time. We all miss Matt. Um, but yeah, if you're reading along with us, we'll be in Mark chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 1. This is the ESV version. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him, for he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. A lot going on here, um, but a uh, powerful, powerful scripture nonetheless. Um, so we've got Jesus doing a little bit more of what he did last time we had you guys on, right? Jesus is uh, he's doing some healing. Uh, people are fired up. It ends with this idea of don't go tell anybody. And, uh, you, you know, it's interesting. Um, but, uh, Mark, what do you see as you as, as we look at this? Well, you know, I was going to ask you, Josh, because I know you referred to this passage, I think, a few weeks ago when we were talking about Mark chapter one. There We see the first story where there's a man with a shriveled hand and people were looking at this man as a religious test for Jesus because the Pharisees interpreted the law to say that if you did a healing on the Sabbath, you'd be violating the law. How is that? I... Well, you know, the idea is you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. And so if you are, if you are in some way doing a medical job, like healing a man, the, those who are more strict in interpreting their Torah might say that, oh, that's, a, that's work, and you're violating the Sabbath. And wow. they were very concerned about not, uh, about not violating the commands of God's and God. And not only they'd have commands, but they'd have rules to sort of build a hedge around the commands to make sure that you wouldn't even get close to violating wow. them. And so they were testing Jesus. And, of course, what, what I see here is something you referred to earlier. Jesus, it says, was angry. 
and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Do you want to share anything more about your word study that you had looked at, Josh? Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just always, I think it's always interesting and worth noting when Jesus gets angry, right? I mean, anytime Jesus shows any kind of emotion, um, it's something worth noting. Um, but we don't see it super often. And so when he does, I think it tends to give us a bit of an insight of what causes God indignation. And uh, it's not, you know, that somebody forgot to take out the trash, right? And it's not because somebody called him a name. It, it's not what tends to make us angry. Um, but as I've kind of studied this out, and, and, and I'm excited to hear as we talk a little bit more about this, if this is brought to life, but, you know, Jesus tends to get angry when people aren't cared for or loved. When, when the, the, um, the call to, to, to love and bring in the sick and the widows and the orphans, when, when people focus more on, on doing rather than, than loving. And that's what we saw back in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. There's this guy, and he comes up to Jesus. He says, if, if you're willing, almost as though he's experienced many people who are unwilling, and Jesus gets angry. Um, some, some translated that he had compassion, which makes a little bit more sense, but... Um, but, you know, here it does straight up say that he was angry. And it's because these people are, they care more about um, following, I like how you said, the hedges built around the law rather than doing good, rather than loving, rather than this guy being healed and set free and, and all of that. And so, um, you know, those kinds of things don't make me angry. And I think maybe, maybe I should have a little bit more indignation um, when it comes to loving people. Well, you know, Jesus made a whip out of cords when he saw the religious hypocrisy of the people using the temple to make money instead of really to serve God. And uh, I would really love to see what Jesus would do if he came into our mega churches and our wow. our um, a TV and uh, and bookshop Christianity. Wow. Um, and it could be our church too. I mean, I don't think we should judge others without judging ourselves, but. Um, Jesus doesn't want religion to be something that is about money or about glory, but it should be about loving people. And he says this in, in the, the first story, which is lawful, to do good or to do evil, to, to save life or to kill. And this idea of doing good comes up in the second passage because he withdraws with his disciples to the lake. A big crowd follows. And what's interesting is, why were they following Jesus? Because I think all of us in would like to see large numbers of people coming to learn more about Jesus. And it says here, when they heard all he was doing, Mark 3, 8, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon because all of he, what he was doing. And it, it was Jesus' life of goodness and of doing good that attracted people wow. to him. You know, it says in Acts 10, when Peter was uh, explaining uh, about how he was a witness to all of the different things that, that uh, Jesus had done, um, he, he explained in Acts 10, um, in verse 34, Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. You know what's happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, Acts 10, 38, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, 
because God was with him. You know, it describes Jesus, his ministry, well, he went around doing good. And there is a power to doing good when you walk the the this ministry when you walk the life of God that people think we have never seen anything like this they said of Jesus this man speaks with authority not like the teachers of the law because he was living out this god of love of compassion of mercy of genuine interest in people Nadine I'm sure you have a lot of insight into this You know, I'm always amazed at the impact that serving people has on our salvation and on the people around us and their salvation. Um, You know, we can spend so much time handing out invitations and inviting people to church or Bible talk. and, And yes, of course, that is the right thing to do. But I think sometimes just living a life where we're trying to be like Jesus, that in itself is an incredible testimony. And I hear so many stories all the time through the work that I do with Hope Worldwide of people who became Christians and no one invited them to church. They just saw somebody else serving and it totally convicted them. Um, A couple of years ago, we were in the Philippines serving over Christmas and a family in the community who were not themselves materially poor They were members of the community, saw us serving, and they came up to us. And the lady, the wife said, what are you doing? I mean, you're spending Christmas here serving our community, and we're not doing it, but you came from across the world to do it. And so this lady was convicted. She said, can I help? Can I join you? And she did. And uh, she started studying the Bible. She became a Christian. Her husband became a Christian. And then a whole bunch of relatives became Christians. And... (laughs) You know, this was four years ago. And when we went back this year over Christmas, you know, their daughter, who's a teenager, who's also a disciple now, actually helped out with the volunteer corps. Um, and But this was just from someone seeing someone else serve. And then recently in Papua New Guinea, you know, it's a country with many, many needs, but a group of volunteers were serving at a school. And obviously they're Christians, but they were not, evangelizing they were serving and the security guard at the school watched them and decided that he wanted to be like them so he studied the bible he was just baptized last week one of the mothers from the school also witnessed the you know christians serving and she was baptized this weekend and none of these people were actually invited to church that just saw Christians trying to be like Jesus and loving people, serving. And, uh, you know, I think that the impact of just doing good as what, you know, what Mark said, and that's really a lot of the time how people followed Jesus. They they yeah. wanted to be with him. It's not like he called them necessarily. They wanted to follow him. And, you know, when I think about my life, you know, do I live that kind of life that people want to find out? Yeah. why I'm the way I am. So that that's very convicting to me. Yeah. So what you guys are saying is that, you know, the way to help somebody to God isn't just handing out, you know, invites to church and convincing people through scripture, but that even Jesus um, tended to have a major impact um, by simply doing good. 
I think that's right. And I think we have to wrestle with it because it doesn't mean we should be silent and not teach the gospel. Jesus definitely taught all the time about God. And I think he invited people to come and learn about God. And so this is a central part of our ministry to be sharing the gospel. But at the same time, figuring out how to serve and do good is a, is, is a challenge. And I, I think, you know, obviously one opportunity is to go to places, even if it's only for a couple of weeks, serving on these Hope, Hope Youth Corps or Hope Volunteer Corps, and even taking your family, though it's tremendously costly, what it does is it it's instead of having a vacation where we're all watching screens and yeah. eating nice food, we have a, a time where we're outwardly focused and and living out the Bible 24-7 with people who have needs that are very deep. Hmm. And a, a local caring community of Christians who we don't know that we're getting to know. And, and that's I think that's an opportunity that is really worth taking yeah. um, if you haven't done it and worth taking again and again. And Nadine, I mean, this is in a sense a plug for Hope Youth Corps and Volunteer Corps. Oh, but shameless. I think if something is good, we should shamelessly plug it. Yeah. I think our I think the gospel is awesome. People ought to come to church yeah. and hear about it. And I also think that th- these these programs are great. Nadine, do you want to share a little bit more about that? And then I think I'll turn to something else. Well, I mean, yes, I, I do think that at least one time in our life, going somewhere that shakes our very foundation and, you know, really rattles our cages, going somewhere where the needs are very, very obvious, it can, you know, change how we think and who we are. But then beyond that, we have to bring that back home. You know, we have to serve the people around us, the people in our community, the people down the road, our neighbors, you know, that's who we live with all the time, you know, and going on the trip is a great opportunity, obviously, but serving the people down the road, you know, the, the person who is, you know, the young man who is begging outside the supermarket, you know, engaging with him, talking to him, why is he in that situation? What yeah. can we do? I think that's really, you know, the, the calling for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Yeah, I like what you said, Mark, about, you know, instead of the vacation, you know, we can go to these places and uh, it, it's easy to think that, um, you know, sitting down watching a screen is going to be a lot more fun and enjoyable. But, you know, at least in my experience, once you get out there and you make memories and you serve other people, um, you tend to think, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, and, and, and I think all of these things are great. Like you think, oh man, like I want to be just like Mark and Dean Templer and go to India and go to, you know, all over the world and serve, you know, in leper colonies and, and orphanages and things like that. Um, and it's a cool idea, but then when you start to think about actually doing it, it's like, uh, okay, like, what do I do? You know? So for you guys, like, what would it look like for somebody who's hearing this and they see Jesus and they see the impact that Jesus had, not just on people's physical lives, but their spiritual lives? Like, wh- how can somebody actually go and, and try to imitate Jesus and serving those in need, um, you know, practically? I think there's there's about four different ways we can think about this because we wrestle with this because we live in Virginia just like like you do yeah and the needs are not the same mm. as in some of the places we've been to they're not as obvious they're they're not as in your face and so the four things that that strike me where we can go around doing good and really look for those opportunities and shine like Jesus and these are things that probably most of us are doing or have done. But, but it's just worth thinking about systematically. First is with our families. 
Mm. Our families are a tremendous opportunity to do good. Not everybody in our family is nice to us. Not everybody in our family is easy to, to love. But if we can do good to those in our family, it's a tremendous light. I'm sorry, Nadine. He's so hard to do good to. But. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I, I mean, I, I'm not talking about Nadine, but I'm talking about our broader family. You know, we all have, yeah, family, and, and yeah. we have our families, and and so that's that's one. I think, um, and and those we live with as well. I think, secondly, at our workplaces, mm. okay, or at our if we're a student at our college or yeah. at our um, high school, you know, there are people around us that we're interacting with on a very regular basis that we that we can do good to. And doing good might simply be helping them when they need help with something. Yeah, It might be taking an interest in their problems. It might be speaking up for them when they're getting trashed or slandered. Mm. It might be bringing them in when they're being excluded. It might be really bonding with them and looking for opportunities to love and know them, you know, and when they're down or hurting, to, to be that person who's there for them. And it's a unique opportunity to build friendships because you're stuck together, which is why the campus ministry is such a great place for outreach because you can build natural relationships. But I think work is that way as well. So that's the second. I think the third is obviously with our neighbors. Mm. It, it can be hard to interact, but but taking that effort to connect with our neighbors, figuring out how to get them in our home and get to know them, I think the Criders have done an amazing job with that. Yeah. And I think the fourth thing that comes to mind is our communities. And this is where, you know, we, we do find there are programs um, that, that other groups are running that are touching people in need. Mm-hmm. And it might be someone in front of a supermarket who's begging, but it might be a group of people who are, you know, at risk. Maybe, maybe there's a homeless shelter or a home for the elderly. And, and there are opportunities to connect with these people. And if we as a church go together and do that regularly— that that's a tremendous opportunity together to fellowship, but to to let our light shine. Yeah, Nadine. No, I I think that as much as I travel around the world and I go to communities where the needs are incredibly obvious, it's also very moving to go and serve right here in Northern Virginia. I know David Sprague does a great job, you know, in our region organizing events. We go to a shelter, you know, where people who don't have a home, you know, live and, um, you know, connecting with the young people, the kids, you know, the, the families. I mean, you know, that's what it's really all about to be a Christian and um, to connect. And then through those opportunities, we can share the gospel. And, uh, you know, we help, we serve some of these people who have needs, but then we also connect with the leaders of the community that way, you yeah. know, and, um, there are incredible opportunities to share the gospel just by doing our best to be like Jesus. So there you go. You don't have to travel halfway across the world to serve people. You don't have to uh, right. make these, these, although they're great opportunities to sure. do that. That um, What I'm hearing is every single day we have opportunities to do good like Jesus did. And it's not healing um, major diseases, but um, healing maybe other difficulties that people have going on. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, one thing I was, I was thinking about as I looked at this passage is, and, and it's kind of what you've been saying is that at the very end, you know, the unclean spirits cry out that he's the son of God. And, um, Jesus again, you know, we see this over and over again in Mark that, Hey, don't, don't go tell people, you know, don't, don't, um, don't make him known. Um, and it's almost that Jesus is like, I don't, 
I don't want to be known from you, but I want to be known from a different, I, I don't know. What do you make out of that? You know, I heard, I heard some of the other excellent podcasts and I think this whole idea where Jesus says, don't tell anyone about me. And then suddenly later in the gospels, you start seeing him be more vocal. I think you are right that he's trying to avoid that the wrong picture is painted, mm. not of a worldly Messiah who's going to come and conquer the Romans or not of a son of God, this mighty one who's going to whack at the enemies, right? but but a man who cares about people, who's compassionate, mm. who's not a Caesar or a, or a glory hog, but just, just a simple servant, yeah. a suffering servant, an anonymous servant, like in, in Isaiah 53. And I think Jesus was trying to create the narrative. And though they didn't have social media, people talked back then just like they talk now. <laughs> And the word had spread throughout Galilee and Judea Mm. all over the place of this Jesus, this remarkable man who cared for people. And so I think you're right, Josh. He didn't want demons or or other people going around saying, the Messiah, the Messiah. The Messiah part would come, but first they needed to know the man of goodness, the man of compassion, the man whose life shows us what God is like. I don't know, Nadine, if you have thoughts on this. Just one thing I want to say, because I think I think you guys are a perfect example. When you guys went to India and you started serving, right, it, it wasn't met with great um, welcome at first, right? But it wasn't until people actually started to see you guys doing good in multiple different communities that they started to really appreciate. Is that, so is that what happened? Well, you know, it's a great question. I mean, we definitely were active in sharing our faith from day one. Yeah. But we also were active in reaching out and helping communities from the very beginning. And I think one of the things that happened over time is that the fact that we were helping communities protected us when people who misunderstood the gospel sought to oppose us Mm. because of, of the message of the gospel. And we ended up having friends in high places who knew us as people who were genuine, who, who mm. just wanted to make a difference. Yeah. And when people would try to spin false narratives about us, there were, the, there were some who knew us for who we were. Right. And, and so it wasn't our intention, but it turned out fortuitously that, uh, that, that God used that to protect us. But uh, you know, I think that, that the challenge for, for us as we see all this is that you know, we, there's always good, more good to be done. We can't feel guilty that, oh, I didn't do every single good thing I could mm. have done, and so I'm a bad person. You right. know, I think so many of us approach Christianity with this, oh, I should have done more. Oh, I didn't pray enough. Oh, I should have invited that person. Oh, you know, and, we're, <laughs> yeah. and, and this is one more thing to feel guilty about. It, it, that's not what the gospel's about. The gospel is a celebration of the goodness of God and the, the joy that we feel when we do good. When we push beyond our selfishness, mm. it's a blessing. And each act of kindness is a blessing to us. And it's not a matter of counting them or, you know, uh, figuring out how much good did I do or did I do enough or, or setting goals or anything like that. It's simply understanding that the love God's poured out upon us when we pour it out on others, it really is encouraging. So... Um, I hope that this lesson on uh, Jesus's indignance with the people who didn't want the man being healed and also the people coming to him from all over when they heard of all the good he was doing can be an encouragement. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Um, you guys do bring so much to uh, the, the church and, and, and just helping us dig into 
the margins of the scriptures. We hope to have you guys on again sometime soon. But um, this is In the Margins. I'm Josh Lund, and we've got with us today Mark and Nadine Templer, and we will see you guys next time.